0: God, you know that my heart cry is for revival. I believe that you are the God of revival, and I believe that we need it. So pour it out, God. Pour it out. Everybody, hands open. Come on. God, pour it out on us. Pour it out on our lives. Pour it out on our, on our hearts. Pour it out on our families. Pour it out on our workplaces. Pour it out on our city. Pour it out. On our nation, God, pour it out. Bring on the revival, Jesus. Awaken your people. Awaken us so that we can truly see who you are, so we can do what you've called us to do here on this earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Pour it out, God. We love you. And we thank you that you are the God of revival amen good morning church welcome 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 so in case you don't know uh, my name is lindsay english and i am the youth pastor here at church on the hill and i love my job very much i um grew up as a pk and um in case you don't know pk stands for perfect kid I'm just kidding, it doesn't, and I was not a perfect kid, pastor's kid, that's what that stands for, my dad has been a pastor all my life, I loved growing up in the church, but I definitely was not a perfect kid, I was pretty good, I think I was, my parents, I think they, they speak really highly of when I was a child, but, but then I hit, I hit a point, you know, I hit a certain stage, and it is called middle school. And in middle school, we had just moved from California to Michigan, like, two months into sixth grade. And so that's a big transition for a young lady to go through. And moving all the way across. Like, I didn't even, I didn't, when my parents said, "You're moving, to, we're moving to Michigan, I was like, is that another city in California? Like, what is Michigan? No, it's, like, across the, the country. So we moved, and Lindsay was trying to figure out who Lindsay was going to be. And I have always been social and kind of high energy and and kind of dramatic. I know it's a surprise for you guys um, and 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 so that's that's just always kind of how I've been. I've been always willing to do whatever for a good story or for a laugh. and so that kind of took a turn. Those things in me that can be really good um, in middle school came out in a very not good way very disrespectful um, I had trouble when it came to teachers or youth leaders um, it's embarrassing but I was a nightmare I was a nightmare specifically in middle school I was asked to, I was like kicked out of many different classrooms. Like, Lindsay, did you go back to the hallway, please? Or like even at youth group, asked to leave the youth room. I, I made teachers or youth leaders cry. Like it was horrible. I was a horrible menace of a teenager. And, and the, I don't know if kids these days pass notes like we did, but because we didn't have phones to text each other during class, so we passed notes. But I, 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 you do it discreetly, too, because you're not supposed to get caught. In theory, you do it discreetly. I did not do it discreetly. I instead would 007 roll across the, the classroom floor to get to my friend, pass the note, and 007 roll back, somersaulting all the way across, across the classroom. That did not, obviously, end well for me. That teacher of that classroom, actually, I think, in a parent-teacher conference, told my parents that I was the devil's spawn. So imagine saying that to a pastor. Um, and, and my parents were protective in that moment, but also, like, looking back, it was, I was, I was horrible. And then it, that was also the same way at youth group, which was also probably worse that I was the PK, because it's like, what do you do when the pastor's kid is, won't shut up. Um, and so I had one youth pastor that actually, we were in a gym, we met in a gym, and we had uh, metal folding chairs that we sat on. And he actually picked one up and threw it at me, um, like just over my head, just to get my attention. Um, uh, Cause I, I wouldn't, I would not stop. So he threw a metal chair at me. Um, that did not also go over well for him or for me. But all this to say, I was a youth pastor's nightmare. But then I actually fully, I wasn't just like the PK, the church kid. I actually gave my life to Christ. And I desired to my character to reflect his character. And then everything changed. And so I went from being a youth pastor's nightmare to being a youth pastor. I went from thinking that middle schoolers are the worst because I was the worst to being like, middle schoolers are so awesome. Because what happens is Jesus, when he, when, when God does what God does, our stories come full circle in really cool, powerful ways. So that is why I'm here doing what I'm doing. And so today we are again in this series of Revelation, right? This book of Revelation. And you're probably like, what does you being a menace as a child have to do with Revelation? You'll see. It'll come back around. So we've been talking uh, that this book of Revelation is not meant to be this mysterious map and this like puzzle that we're trying so desperately to solve. It's a letter. And it was written to specifically seven different churches in Asia Minor. And this letter is intended to help us see the bigger picture, that God is creator, that sin is real, and that humans have a choice. And when humans do not choose God, brokenness and despair and evil, it runs rampant on the earth. It's real, it's hard, and it's nasty. But God has never left his throne And we are given the promise that one day he will make all things right. He has a plan from beginning to end that will come full circle. And this is hope that we can hold on to. But the reason that this part of the Bible can feel so scary for people is because it does paint a pretty scary picture. A really dark picture. Some scary scenes about what it's like when evil reigns. And so... When we read this as like this future disaster that that just waiting to ravage and annihilate us, yeah, that would seem scary. So, of course, we're, we try to look for signs so that we're not swept up by the, the chaos. But when we live like that, it doesn't feel good. It feels anxious. It doesn't produce the peace and hope that God has intended for us. And that's because what the book of Revelation is describing is not some future horrific movement of evil. It's simply the world that we are currently living in right now. Everywhere we look, we see results of the fall. Sin, destruction, lies, darkness. It's everywhere. It's on TV. It's on social media, it's in our workplaces, it's at the grocery store, it's in the schools, it's, it's even in churches. It's everywhere we turn and I think that probably every generation has felt this way and even the early church leaders probably felt this way. But I just feel like it's getting progressively worse and worse every day. So right now, with each scary dark thing that happens, I just, I keep feeling like I'm hearing God in like this really soft broken voice say, this is not how I intended it to be. God's primary motivation is love, and so the reality of the world we live in right now is heartbreaking to him. People are committing suicide. They're confused about their sexual identity and gender. They're using drugs and alcohol and porn as a way to numb the pain. They are being unfaithful to their spouses, abusive to their children. People are starving and dying all over the world. Children are being trafficked. People are sick with cancer and other diseases. Some people are losing their babies to miscarriages while other people are aborting their babies. And with all these things, it causes this deep brokenness and hurt within us despair, and fear, and anxiety, and depression, and anger, because we have this deep longing within us. There is a gap that we as humans, we can't help but try so desperately to fill. There is this wrestle and this feeling of incompleteness, a desire for fulfillment. There's a missing piece in all of us. Many people, they don't know truth anymore. Many people don't know peace anymore. Many people don't know worth and value and belonging. They don't know God's love. And to all of this, God says, this is not how I intended it to be we're introduced we're introduced to our creator god in genesis right in the beginning when god created the heavens and the earth and he created the plants and the animals and, and the sun moon stars and to all of it he said it was to all of it he said it was good and then he created mankind in his image and to that he said it was very good and truly all was good just as god intended it to be Let's read Genesis 2, 8 through 10. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. Okay, so now here we are in the garden, and this is like the garden that God created. This is before anything bad happened. This is before, this is like the garden that God created, like the colors, it was all, all before any kind of crap happened, Right? So it was beautiful, just as God intended it to be. Right now we can picture we think sunrises are, are beautiful and we think gardens are beautiful, but we still have like a like a crap filter. Um guys, I'm sorry for saying crap um two times in church. Um it's not actually written in my notes. Um uh remember I work with youth. <laughs> um, but this garden is the garden that God created. And it was good. So I just can't even imagine how beautiful it was. And so then there's these two trees that are set apart from the other trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God tells Adam and Eve, "You guys can eat. Like, oh, look at all these trees, all the trees. You can eat from any tree you want. The fruit is all good and healthy without like um, pesticides. Is that a pesticide? Is that the word?" Without all that in it, like this fruit is good. And God's like, you can have all this fruit, just don't eat from this one tree. But as we know, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and then the fall of all mankind happened. Sin entered the world, and, and separation, there's now separation between God and man. And here we are, in the middle of the, this gap. And that separation between God and man that's where our desire for fulfillment comes from. It's where that feeling of incompletion comes from. It's the reason we are confused and depressed and anxious. It is the cause of this wrestle. At the end of Genesis 3, we read that Adam or, or that God bans Adam and Eve from the garden as a result of sin entering the world because eating from the tree of life now, now that sin has entered the world, now that they're sinful and broken and separated from God, to eat from the tree of life now would mean that they would live in that sin and brokenness and separation for all eternity. And God did not want that for his people. So it's a, it was a punishment to ban them, but it was also out of protection. So they could not live eternally in that separation. So even in that moment, God had a bigger plan. He always had a plan, and it was that tree, the tree of life. God always wanted us to know the gift of that tree, and he shows us through the prophecies to John at the end of Revelation. Revelation 21, it gives us glimpses into what God's big plan ultimately looks like in the end but in chapter 22 verses 1 through 3 we see how intentional and purposeful our God is in every little detail it says then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side the river stood the tree of life on each side of the river So before it was tree of life on one side of the river in the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil on the other side. Now it's the tree of life that stands on both sides of the river. Here we are again, the tree of life. It's back again in the end, in Revelation. So it started God's intent, tree of life. And then we're back at it, tree of life in Revelation. The tree of life, it leaves no other room for any other tree to stand. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is gone forever. The scripture goes on to say that this tree was bearing 12 crops of fruit. And the number 12 is a a big biblical number uh, all throughout the Bible. Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. No longer will there be any curse. No more curse. The curse upon us from the beginning with Adam and Eve, the curse that causes us so much pain, the curse that separates us from God, from our original intent, the curse of darkness and evil, the curse that is actively working to destroy us every day will be no longer. Not only is the tree of knowledge of good and evil gone, but its influence over our lives is broken. The pain from everything it's done to us is healed completely. In this remaining tree, the tree of life, we will experience healing from all brokenness. It will produce life and goodness in places where death and hopelessness once lived. Everyone just take a deep breath for a moment and imagine... What that will be like. But let's not miss what's happening here. God's creative intent is coming full circle. Started in the garden, ends in a garden. Banished from the tree of life, invited to the tree of life. Cursed, not cursed. Broken intimacy to restored relationship. From darkness into light. This is what God's perfect plan will do for us. It will bring us back to a beautiful garden where the river of life and the tree of life exist. Where there is no curse, where we will see God's face, where his glory will be our light and darkness is no more. God's plan God's plan for his creation will become very good. Once again, this is hope. You know what else God did in Genesis 3? He gave us the first glimpse into his redemptive plan. He tells the serpent, so right after they, they ate the, the forbidden fruit, God tells the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, the best way to to kill a serpent or a snake is to crush their head. Like, that is how you kill a snake. So what God is saying is the enemy will be defeated. Yes, he might get in some hard blows. He's going to attack. He's going to hurt humankind. But we will not be overcome. God always had a plan to rescue and redeem his perfect creation. And God's plans are perfect perfect. So while perhaps we look around at the world around us and families are grieving deaths of young ones, marriages are falling apart, greed is consuming people, identity is lost, drugs and alcohol are the norm, poverty is sweeping the nations, division is claiming the church. In the midst of all this, God says, this is not what I intended it to be. But God doesn't just have a grand plan for all creation. He also has a plan for you, for your life. We're told in 2 Samuel 22, 31 that all his ways are perfect. We're told in Proverbs 19.21 that many are the plans in a person's heart, but that it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Romans 12.2 says that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Isaiah 14.24 tells us that the Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will happen. The world right now is not as God intended it to be. But scripture is clear that God will do what He said He was going to do. His plan prevails, His purpose will be revealed, His will is perfect. And I think what John intended us to see in this letter of Revelation is how intentional and good our God is and how in control he is and how loving and dependable he is. But it also paints this picture of this grand plan for all creation to be restored and ushered back into this tree of life. And that we would come to trust his plan for our life day in and day out. That we would trust that God's way is the best way. We were never meant to be lord of our own life. We were never meant to decide for ourselves what is good and what is right. God always, he has his heart was to do that for us, to lead us with his love and for us to trust in his plan. But guys, there's there's like there's good news. Yes, God is an intentional God. He had a plan in the beginning that we are told will bring. He'll bring it into completion in the final day. But we don't have to wait for that. Jesus came to be the connecting piece to bring God's plan for hope and life into our lives today, right now. Jesus says in Luke 10 19, I have given you authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. Jesus is the authority in which we stand for victory. Jesus is God's redemptive plan. Jesus is the connecting piece between beginning and end, from garden to garden, from death to sin to life for eternity. Because even though we chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, even though we have allowed brokenness into our relationships, even though we made a way for evil to enter in, God always intended for us to have and to know life and to know life to the very full. Life as he intended, life in his completeness. Jesus is what brings our stories full circle. And we know that one day God will fulfill his plan completely. He will destroy evil. He will remove the tree of knowledge of good and evil and leave for his children a place of peace and perfection. Fueled only by the tree of life. But because of Jesus, because he already came We don't have to wait to experience that in our lives right now. God's word is a gift to us, showing us that from beginning to end that God has this intentional plan. But we don't have to wait. You and I can experience healing and freedom and peace when we choose to trust God's perfect plan for our lives. Because yes, God has an ultimate plan for all of creation, but he also has a perfect plan for you So what does this mean for you? What brokenness in your life do you need to begin trusting God's plan instead? What situation do you need to experience God's love and hope in place of pain? What evils attacking your life do you need Jesus to trample on? Is it an addiction? Is it your finances? Is it with your job or your schooling or your kids' schooling? Is it your marriage? Is it this pandemic, COVID-19? Is it your identity? What is it in your life do you that you need to surrender and allow God to bring full circle? For some of you though, maybe you've already fully surrendered to God's plan and you have experienced how it has set you free. But what about the people in your life? Do they know? Have you allowed your full circle story to reveal to them how Jesus changes everything? We've been talking about how Revelation isn't a scary book, but it's actually a message of hope. Knowing God's plan, trusting it's good, and holding fast to what Jesus did in that plan, that is the hope. That Well, reality is people don't have that hope. And yet that is the hope that this world desperately needs because there is a teen somewhere today thinking about killing themselves. There is a pregnant woman considering abortion. There is someone in the hospital fighting cancer. There's a young man confused about whether he is gay or straight. There's a group of teens making plans to get high later. There's a husband struggling in secret with porn. There are people walking away from faith. There's a young couple about to be told their baby has no heartbeat. These are the realities of the fall in the world that we live in. This is what life is like away from the tree of life. But the darkness that we live under, the struggle, the hurt, the pain is not the end of the story. There is a way for people's lives to their stories to come full circle. And so what if we shared our stories of how Jesus brought our lives full circle? What if we taught others the lessons that we learned? What if we actually let people know what God freed us from? What if we told about our hurts and what we've been through and how far we've come? Your story matters. What you have to give matters. People need to hear and know that what they are facing is not the end of their story. Introduce them to the God of completion. Invite them into his restoring presence. Tell them about this Jesus who came and died so that they could have life and life to the very full. This is not the end of their story. This is not the end of your story. People need to know that there is hope, that there is victory, there is fulfillment, and that it is available to them today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to have the ushers are going to hand out some glow sticks, and I just need you to hold on to it for a minute, okay? And in the meantime, I'm going to tell you a story about glow sticks because I love glow sticks, and I look for any reason to have to use glow sticks. But there was one day, it was a few years ago, and I was hanging out with the Luato kids, so Pastor Dennis kids. And sometimes when I hang out with them, I try to do something really fun. Uh, We have like, we would do theme nights or whatever. And one time I was like, let's just have a glow stick party. So I bought a ton of glow sticks. And we found these like glow stick darts. And so we turned off the lights and we pumped up the music and we just were having a blast with these glow sticks. But these darts... They didn't stick like we threw them. They didn't stick to the wall, to the windows. But then the boys figured out they stuck to their foreheads. And it made for some cool pictures. It was like, this is awesome. You guys look so cool. We're just dancing, having fun. But then the, d- the darts came off and the lights came on. <laughs> um, and the boys had giant hickeys on their foreheads um and it lasted a few days and but thank the lord jenna and i's friendship uh prevailed and she still lets me hang out with her children um (laughs) oh my gosh i just it was so bad i remember sending those photos to her just oh my gosh it was terrifying um so we still have a lot of fun together but we have avoided the glow stick darts ever since don't ever put them on your forehead just in case you didn't know it's not a good idea Uh, so but how cute are they they were they were so shocked to look in the mirror they were like what's wrong with me uh it was devastating anyways now does everybody have a glow stick okay so hold it out in front of you because this whole thing that we're talking about today, this is, how, this is how I see it. This is the visual. So I see it like this. So what happens in the beginning, what happens in Genesis, the creation and then sin and then the fall, that's like the beginning of the story, right? And then it, like, goes all the way parallels to the end, to Revelation, to, to eternity, to the, to the end of the story. And we see it often as one solid line, right? Beginning to end It's just a timeline, except for... I believe that what Jesus does, he's this little connector piece, right? And I believe Jesus takes the beginning and the end and he brings it around full circle in theory. Oh my goodness. He brings the whole story, not from beginning to end, not one solid rhyme, but he brings it around full circle. He completes the circle. He brings beginning to end. He he completes it. He holds it together. He made the way. He brings us back to God's original intent. We started in the garden and we're going to end in the garden. We started with the tree of life. We end with the tree of life because of Jesus. But you know what? what also is cool about glow sticks are you guys ready for this? they have to be broken in order to be made whole they have to break in order for their light to shine so our stories of brokenness of where we've been these results of the fall the things that we've struggled with the things that we've wrestled with those stories by the power of Jesus, come back around full circle. And they can be the stories that we use to invite other people into the tree of life. So your stories of brokenness, that's not something to be ashamed of, but to allow Jesus to come and restore and to heal and to redeem and to complete so that your story can come full circle and allow other stories a chance to come full circle as well. Paul tells us in Philippians 1, 6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. (laughs) That is our hope. God wins. He will finish what he started and he is faithful from beginning to the end my challenge for you is to allow your whole life the broken pieces all of it to be used as an act of worship as an act of surrender as a testimony to invite other people into the tree of life because we are all living one great, grand, full-circle story, but within that big, grand, full-circle is all of our little full-circles. And God wants to use that to bring others in. And so, God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are faithful from beginning until the end, and that you sent Jesus to bring it all back around in our own lives, in, in, in the story of all of creation. We thank you that you had this grand plan through Jesus to bring us back to our original intent, and God, I just pray that you would use each one of our broken stories to shine your light each one of our broken stories to invite other people in to this tree of life and life to the full. God, we love you and in your name we pray. Amen.